This is Decoding Learning Differences with Kimberlyn Lavelle, and this episode is IEP Tips, Communication Before and After. So in this episode, we are going through, talking through the ways to communicate before and after an IEP meeting and the importance of communication. As we all know, communication is critically important. That's a majority of the, when there's conflict, a lot of that conflict comes from miscommunication, misunderstanding, um, making assumptions without communicating, right? Um, So often I hear about marriage advices, make sure you communicate really well, open communication. You know, everyone knows that this is critically important and yet we keep forgetting to actually communicate with each other in other situations or even in those situations. So find out who's involved in your child's IEP. Who's the administrator who would be in attendance? Maybe there's multiple that might be in attendance. Find out who they are. Find out the school psychologists, any service providers, the teachers, and find out, ideally find out, (laughs) their preference for communication. How is it that they like to communicate? Some will only respond to phone calls. That's just like, if you email them, they never seem to respond. But if you see them in person, or if you can get them on the phone, then they're great. They do all the things you ask for, they listen carefully, everything happens. Others are like, don't you dare call me. I don't have any time to actually call you back. So if you wanna call, if you want to talk to me on the phone, it's gonna be like next week, maybe, if I remember. It'll be on my list. But if you email me, I'll read that as whenever I get a chance and I'll get back to you much, much faster with email. Personally, that was me. I was like always teaching or in IEP meetings, but I could do emails on my lunch break or if I had a student that couldn't come for some reason or whatever, like I would have these little bits of time throughout the day and I would always be checking my email during those times and I would respond immediately if I could. Um, Or I would forward it to someone else and ask a question of someone else if I needed more information. Like I would start, I would start dealing with that email usually instantly. Um, So that was always my preference. Like I was an email person. Um, Some, some actually prefer that you text them. They'll give you a phone number or some app that you can text them on. And that's the best way to communicate with them. So find out their preference. Even if it's not your preference, going with their preference it's just more likely to get you the results you want. Um, I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just saying that's the reality. <laughs> okay. Don't worry about being a pest. You might get that reputation as like the annoying parent who's always asking questions, always whatever. But it's like, it doesn't even matter compared to the parent who doesn't say enough or you are afraid of being a pest and therefore you don't ask the questions, you don't, you, you don't, you don't say the things that need to be said to make sure that your child's getting what they should be getting. For example, you see no evidence that the spelling accommodations have been put into place for your child. So you ask, what accommodations is my child getting for their spelling? Or is my child getting any accommodations for their spelling? I do recommend asking a question 
rather than saying, you aren't even accommodating my Don't jump to that conclusion because that's not really an open communication. It's an accusation that then puts the other person in defensive. So we always want to ask a question, come from a place of curiosity, come from a place of assuming the best. And yes, plenty of teachers forget to do accommodations. Um, in my role, I was often frustrated with like, you can't actually forget to do this accommodation. And so I'd be the one harassing. And a lot of times the parents would ask me about it or ask me to follow up on it because they didn't know how to do it gently and they were really upset um, because they were upset. So they couldn't, they like were, were so upset that they couldn't, they didn't feel like they could communicate in a calm manner with that teacher who needed to start doing the accommodations that they were supposed to be doing. Um, and I was always happy to do that as best I could. Again, time can be hard for me, but we got there. Everything worked out. Um, so yeah, don't worry about being a pest. Be a pest. I, I mean, I have had so many parents email me and they worry or they tell me that they were afraid to say anything because they had just taught, met with me, you know, a week before. And I was like, no, like, I need to know what's going on if you want me to fight for your, for you and your kid. Um, the teacher needs to know what's going on if you want them to do something different than what they're already doing. So don't be, don't worry about being a pest. Even if you get labeled that, it doesn't even matter compared to your child's education. So I would say, don't worry about it. Um, so anytime you have a question, ask all your questions. Don't be afraid to ask the question. Don't be afraid to present your concerns. Be gentle and kind about it, but you can say, I'm really concerned about. Um, and then ask for clarification and repetition of information as much as you need, especially in those IEP meetings. And, but also after, like, you're like, okay, I know before the meet, I know in the meeting you told me this, but I just can't remember. And this might be a situation where maybe the person you're emailing or that you're communicating with prefers email. So you might email them and ask them to call you to go over it because it, it often is one of those things where communicating via email doesn't always work as well as communicating over the phone or even better, most of the time is in person um, or a video chat where you can actually like visually see kind of what the person is talking about and really understand and, and make sure that you guys are on the same page. Because, you know, you might be thinking that you're asking about this set of scores and they think you're asking about this set of scores and you're talking about two separate things and therefore you don't understand each other. So I, in those kinds of situations, I think in-person or a video chat usually works the best. Um, sometimes a phone call can work and even email can work depending on the level of confusion or clarification needed. Um, and yeah, you, and before a meeting, you can list out all your concerns that you have, all the questions you have. If they've sent you the report ahead of time, you can email them with a list of all the things you want to make sure get discussed during the meeting. They can put that on the agenda if they have an agenda. Um, if they don't, you've got it on your agenda and you know that you're going to bring it up and they know that you're going to then bring it up. So whether it's an actual written agenda or just a kind of a vague idea in someone's head, at least it's on there. Um, so yeah, any questions you have before the meeting, after the meeting, during the meeting, always ask all of your questions because they matter. 
you understanding what's going on, what things mean, all of that matters so much. So please ask the questions. Don't be afraid of looking ignorant or being a pest or anything. Like just ask the questions. They matter and I've never seen anyone mind getting a bunch of questions. Um, sometimes they'll say, oh, we're getting to that. And then they'll get to that when they do, but ask the question. Um, put things in writing. <laughs> when you've communicated with someone, especially if it's like you talk to them over the phone or even in an IEP meeting, you can email and say, I just wanted to confirm that what we just discussed over the phone, blah, 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 blah. And kind of just follow up with like a, an email that summarized what you discussed in your understanding of what was discussed so that you have a written documentation. And if they don't disagree with you, then that, that's actually evidence that if you ever needed to go to due process, you have that conversation, even though it was a verbal conversation, you have a summary of it recorded that they didn't dispute. Or maybe they do dispute it right away and then you don't have that time of you're thinking one thing and they're thinking another. You have you can hash it out immediately. Um, so I, I recommend putting things in writing. It's actually one of the reasons I like email better besides just scheduling. <laughs> Um, and then we've been going through a bunch of examples, but I'm going to talk through a couple more. So one example is you've got a first grader who you think has dyslexia. So you've communicated with the teacher that you are worried about it. Can you get testing? Nothing's happening. Okay. That's the point where you ask who is in charge of creating an IEP at this school? Who is involved? What? Who are the team members? And ask, you can ask specifically, who are the administrators? Who's the school psychologist? What are their emails? Um, who? Who's the special education provider, specialized academic instruction um, provider, wh whatever they call it, special ed, basically. And any other services you think your child might need, the speech, the OT, the who, APE, the, that's adaptive physical education. Um, Whoever it is you think your child might need services from, get their contact information. And then when you write your initial letter requesting about an evaluation, you can email all of them. They can all be included. You can also ask for the special education director's email so that that person can get included, especially if you don't get a response at first, you might add in the special ed director um, or forward your email to the special ed director and say, no one has responded in, to me in two weeks. Can you please follow up or in a week? And, you know, I'm expecting a response within the next week or whatever, however you want to handle that. But getting all those ahead of time, right? So you've gotten it all, you've gotten the assessment plan, but you had a question on the assessment plan. So you pick up the phone and you call someone you're kind of working through constant, making calls, emailing, frequent communication. It's expected. A lot of parents don't, um, but the parents who do are likely to get better results. I hate to say it, but it's just true. <laughs> because the parent who is making taking the time to communicate, the team knows they have to like kind of be really paying attention in that case and therefore 
they have to do their very best and, you know, dot all their I's, cross all their T's. And it's not that they wouldn't for another child. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of amazing school teams who will do the very best they can do for any child, no matter the level of parent involvement. But I've also seen situations where the team does respond better to the, or more thoroughly, I should say, maybe, to the parents who are very involved and asking lots of questions and communicating regularly. So lots of communication. Then the IEP ends, you've left the meeting, you email them the next day. Hey, I really appreciated our IEP meeting yesterday. Thank you everyone for your time. Can you, um, can you ver verify something for me? I was worried, I, I just wanna make sure that we're starting services on this date and for this many minutes. And can you email me when you know what time, when, what the schedule will be for that? Um, and you know, whatever else. I, I'm, I'm understanding they're receiving these services because of this diagnosis or this qualification, eligibility, um, whatever, right? So you've kind of, you've talked about things before, you're talking about things during, you're talking about things after. The communication just keeps happening. Then a month later, I'm just following up. Um, I wanted to know how the accommodations are going in the classroom. Can you describe those for me? You can call me at this time or you can, um, is there a time that I can come in and meet with you and just talk about it? Yeah, they're not going to want to meet with you all the time because they're super busy, but you can ask. <laughs> you might be a pest, but you can ask and just please have grace that they do have a lot of students that they're trying to help. Most teachers are way overworked um, and it's not just the gen ed teachers. The special education teachers are very overworked. The other service providers are very overworked. Like everyone, the administration, everyone. They've got a lot going on. They don't have a lot of time. But for you, your child is the most important thing. And therefore, ask the questions. Follow up. In some way, you want to hear from the teachers that the accommodations are being followed and they are not, are not working. And then you need to adjust from there. No, yeah, we've tried this accommodation, but it doesn't seem to be working. So I kind of stopped doing it. <laughs> I love that. I get that all, I shouldn't say all the time, but too often, Jenna teacher's like, oh yeah, I just stopped doing it because it didn't seem to be helping. That's not actually an option. <laughs> Legally, it's not an option. But we do need to meet and discuss it and figure out what, what where to go from there. Um, so, <sighs> moving on. The takeaway for today is have a plan for communicating with the IEP team both before and after the meetings and really during the meetings as well. Have some kind of plan of how often you're gonna communicate and really what modality you're going to use to communicate. Um, and actually one thing I forgot to mention is kind of that timing part. Um, sometimes parents only communicate right at like the report card time. They get the report card, they get all worried, they get in a frenzy, they communicate with the team and then another three months go by and they get all worked up again. The problem is that's the busiest time for everybody. Like nobody has time to have a conversation very well then. So you're not gonna get the best results at that time or the most communication back and forth. 
So I would recommend go ahead and communicate then. You have concerns. But follow it up a few weeks later, a month later, and see how things are going. Make sure that whatever was discussed is being put into action and is working. And you don't go a whole nother reporting period and get the next report card and find out it didn't work. They did put it in place and they did it diligently every single day and it wasn't working at all. You don't want to wait three months to find that out. You want to do something about it more, more quickly. So definitely communicate regularly and decide what it is. Whatever you think is appropriate, um, I would say once a month is reasonable to check in. Some are gonna need once a week that you want some kind of information from the teacher for whatever reason. Some are gonna be more than a month because things are going really well and really every report card time, things seem to go well, your kid is making great progress, you don't really have any concerns. You might just reach out usually before, uh, a few weeks before report card time or a few weeks after tend to be better times where you can then say, Hey, thanks for the report card. I appreciated um, all of the information. Things looked like they were going really well. I just wanted to follow up and make sure that things are going as well as they appear to be going and that you don't have any concerns about my child, whatever it is. So you can also just communicate in that way. Whatever works for you, but kind of keep it in mind so that you're not, you're not like sporadically communicating. You're like, sometimes we'll get parents that like during the, right at the report card time, they're like, they're, they're constant, like, ah, and then they're silent for three months until the next report cards come around. And they're like, ah, you're like, okay, but we didn't know there was a problem because you didn't tell us that your child was spending eight hours a day doing homework. So please communicate. Find out how you can get help on your journey you can email Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com. I cannot wait to hear from you. And I'll talk to you again next week.